So let's everybody warm up, get to it. What shall we talk about? Mm, I like where you're headed. Yep, there we go. Hebrews. So, we are finished chapter one last week, technically, but I've got, a, I've got a feeling we might drop back into it tonight, because looking at Hebrews chapter two, it kind of seems like it still points a little bit back to chapter one, a little bit. Maybe, maybe there's more for us to pull out. Maybe not. We'll see. I um, think it's more than a little bit. Okay, a lot of it. We'll see. <laughs> Just joking. So what do you, what do you think we should read through? Uh, Daniel, are you still there? Daniel. I am here, yes. Trips me out when you mute yourself. It goes so quiet. <laughs> Sorry about that. Where should we read through? Let's uh let's give Um give some Should we go through verse nine? I think we should go verse nine. Okay. And then we'll just kind of pick it apart from there. Let's uh, do that. Cool. Are you good at that, Julian? Oh yeah. <laughs> okay. Julian Kool Aid Man. Julian's on his uh his uh backup microphone, so he's refusing to talk tonight. <laughs> we'll see how that goes. All right, chapter two, verse one through nine, uh, it says, "Therefore, we must pay much closer attention to what we've heard." So, okay, so I guess I have to stop right there for a second. So clearly, chapter one is important because it's setting up chapter two, like because it sounds like a big deal. Therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. For since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, and every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? It was declared at first by the Lord, and it was attested to us by those who heard, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles, and by gifts of the Holy Spirit, distributed according to his will. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we're speaking. It has been testified somewhere, What is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus, crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death, so that by the grace of God he might taste death for everyone. The end of chapter 9, or verse 9. There's a lot in there. You made us read a far ways, Daniel. There is a lot in there, but... <laughs> But I do think it's important because this whole thing ties us back to chapter 1, right? Like like you were pointing out right there at the beginning of chapter 2, verse 1, pay much closer attention to what we have heard, right? That throws us back to chapter 1 where he says, um, in these last days, God has spoken to us by his Son, right? So it's what we have heard, God speaking to us through his Son. So it, it all kind of brings us back into chapter one. He's, he's reminding us who it was who's brought this last final message, which is the gospel, into the world. And it's Jesus who is so much better than the angels, his, his more excellent name, 
um, from chapter one, and and that that whole thing in there about how Jesus is the Son, the angels are the messengers, right? He's reminding us this is who the who we've gotten this from, who is so much higher than the angels, so much higher than those ministering spirits, um, and, and and we have to be careful not to drift away from that. I'm kind of curious. Um... I guess I never noticed it before. In verse 8, uh, where he says, At present, we do not yet see everything in subjection to him. Uh, but then he talks about later, you know, but we do see him um, talking about Jesus. I'm curious what the other things are that we don't see yet. What are those, Daniel? Death. Sin. Wait, wait, but we, we still live in a, in a fallen, broken world where death and sin... Are present, and so not everything is yet in subjection to him. It's a reference to the present oh, age. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. Oh, so yeah, everything because... is, you know, everything is subject to Christ, but it's not fully realized in this time and space yet. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Like uh, Satan's basically allowed to roam free right now too. To some extent, right? Clearly. Right. Um, yeah. But um, not in subjection to Jesus. But his time will come. Um, in fact, really, you know, the, the time was sealed when Jesus died on the cross and gave us that hope um, that fulfilled God's plan. So, yeah. No, absolutely. And Paul talks a lot about this a lot in Romans 8, about how creation is groaning um, for the... the um, I'm going to go over there and take a look at Romans 8 real quick, because I can't remember exactly what Paul says. But it's that all creation is groaning and waiting for its groaning and waiting. <laughs> You'll get it. For the revealing of the sons of God uh, to be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God, right? The whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth. And, um, right, so, so everything suffers because of sin. Everything suffers because of the broken relationship between man and God. Because, like, remember... We were created in the first place to have dominion over the creation, right? We were made to bear God's image in the world, to reflect his glory and reign and rule. And when we rebelled, we, our role in that got damaged. And so creation got damaged in the curse, right? That the weeds and the thorns, and we would have to... Uh, wring our bread from the ground by sweat and but there will be a time when every when all that will pass and all things will be made new and creation itself waits for that time yeah yeah interesting for some reason when i read it at first that we don't see everything in subjection to him at first when i read that i was like is there some other entity like other than angels and jesus like that we're missing, you know, but the way you explained it obviously makes way more sense. So now I feel kind of dumb, but that's good. Oh, no, no, no. 
Well, it's a good question because it's kind of a confusing verse, right? Because yeah. he says he's put everything in subjection, but we don't see every wait what that's right, it right. reads kind of contradictory almost. Yeah, that's interesting. It's that it's that New Testament way of keeping time, right? You've got the present age and the age to come. And we're still in the present age of the New Testament writings, right? We're still in that time where we know that the victory has been won, but the battles are still being fought. Julian, thoughts? <laughs> yeah, I came off. You can hear me. Um, well, it's interesting because that, that wasn't the first place I was going to go, but I, I get I totally get what you're saying, and I agree. I was thinking more of Matthew 28:18. All power and all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. And it's Jesus talking. Mm. And so then again, there are things there that we obviously can't see and haven't seen and, and haven't laid our eyes on, but yet he has authority over those things, right? Um, the, the other thing I was thinking about was Psalms 110.1. Uh, and by the way, this is obscure. This is not the place that I remember this, but this is where it's quoted from. Uh, but it says, uh, the Lord says to my Lord, sit at my right hand. This goes to what you're saying, Daniel, until I make your enemies your footstool. So there is this, all things have been put in under subjection to him. And there is a timing aspect here of when we will be able to lay our eyes on everything that's in subjection to him. It doesn't mean that it's not in subjection. It just means that we haven't seen it. And there is some is it, there's a timing aspect. Well, it's all really a timing aspect for mm -hmm. us. Uh, but God's unbound by time. So he can say all things are in subjection. And it could, it could, it could be that we haven't seen it, but it doesn't mean it's, it's not there. Right. And it's not happening or hasn't happened. Um, so that's the way I think about it, but I totally agree with what you're saying because I think it feeds verses uh, nine, definitely verse nine, mm -hmm. eight and nine. I think so much of the Bible is about changing our perspective um, because we get so, we have such a limited, finite perspective. Even, even if you consider the course of our entire lives, our perspective is so small and so limited to our present experience, right? What we can touch, taste, feel, smell, see. Um, and it's so easy for us to get bogged down in our own tiny, tiny little worlds that we live in. And so much of scripture goes back, I think, to Genesis 15, right? When Abraham is questioning God, he's like, you've made this promise, I'm gonna have like this whole great big family and all these descendants and everything. But um, when, <laughs> and God says, Abraham, do me a favor, go outside of your tent and look up at the stars. And that's counted to Abraham as righteousness, that faithful act of shifting his perspective, of getting outside of his own head and outside of his own limited uh, frame of reference and, and, and beholding the universe at, at just a very small aspect of how God sees everything. Um, so I, 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 a small tangent on one thing you mentioned, Julian, but I think it's important. 
That's interesting because, you know, whenever it seems like it's rare these days that, well, for me at least, where I really get to just look at the stars and be like, wow, like this is you know, God's creation. It's just humbling to think about everything that goes into it. Um, but whenever you do get a chance or remember to go outside and look, or if you go camping or whatever, where you get to see the stars, like it's crazy how much it connects you to God. I mean, inevitably, your thoughts and mind goes to God in so many different ways. So, yeah, that's that's a good reminder just <laughs> to look up. That that actually feeds back to, I'm not trying to take us all the way back, but to verse number one, because we've read all this in chapter one. Uh, and to Daniel's point, you know, it means something. And I know you started out making this point too, Wilmore, but... I think there's just there's a very simple word in verse number two or chapter two verse one, uh, which highlights what we're saying. So easy to forget. It's just the word I have in the New King James. The word is drift. Um, I think in some of the older versions it's slip, which I, I'm you know I'm not I'm not a master of the language, but I do like slip more. Uh, and how easy it would be to slip or to drift. I mean, think about what you said, Jesse. You look up at the stars and you behold the glory of God. You know, I think Romans chapter 1 is a really good example of, of that, being able to hold behold who God is. And actually, more in Romans after you keep going, too, even. But you see all that and, and it helps you remember. You go, oh, yeah. <laughs> but he just gave us all this crazy depth. And it's heavy out of chapter one. And he says, uh, we have to give more earnest heed to the things we have heard. Unless, or mine says, lest we drift away. And you almost think there's no way you could possibly slip after hearing all that. But then again, we walk around every day and we observe, uh, you know, stars in the sky. You know, I'm looking at the moon out of my window right now. Like that doesn't remind us. Uh, there's so much around us that actually reminds us of his power and who he is. Uh, but, I mean, the Hebrew writer, whoever it is, whoever it is, uh, thought thought it was a good thing to tell us that even after hearing all of this about the Christ's superiority over the angels or over everything else, we could slip. We could, we could forget this. We could slide away. Yeah, for sure. And, and drifting... And that's... Oh, go ahead, Daniel. I was just going to, that's one of the really important points of the Hebrew letter as a whole, right? The Hebrew writer gives us these five really urgent warnings. Um, and this is the first one is drifting, um, that, that there, there can be a propensity an opportunity, a, a time where we can drift away from the message. And each time we come across these warnings, these these warnings about uh, uh, of the danger of, of turning our back on the word. Each time, the Hebrew writer's exhortation, his his response to the to the warning, is to pay attention to the word, and we see it right here in chapter two, verse one. Pay closer attention to what you've heard, the gospel message of Jesus so that you don't drift away from it. Each of the warnings comes with this message of of pay attention, get into the word, get back to the gospel. Um, that's what will keep you 
from drifting and doubting and eventually defying is the the warning at the end is and so we have to be very mindful of the the warnings the hebrew writer gives us it's kind of one of the big points of the whole letter yeah um one thing you said in there is so true it it just like alarm like bells went off when you said get in there and keep like keep reading it i Mm -hmm. you know uh, i'd be the first to say that sometimes when i talk about just personal study and christian growth and maturity that i think sometimes uh, i discount the power of just reading the bible and and i i'm saying i discount it versus like some in-depth study you know where it's like don't just read it study it like get out eight lexicons and but but that actually isn't even necessary for to help you grow like because this is about a connection with the actual words of the the words that are breathed out by God here. Now I'm not saying those things aren't important, but the thing that you said Daniel is like getting in this word all the time, there are so many just consistent reminders that help us in verse number 1 give an earnest heed. Right? It, it's you know It's kind of like when when we were kids and there are things that our parents would tell us all the time. Those are the things you're more likely not to do, right? If they're constant or to do, right? If if every single day, all day, take the garbage out, take the garbage out, take the garbage out. What do you probably, you know, you're probably going to take the garbage out. The garbage is probably the thing you're not going to forget. You'd probably forget to vacuum or all of the other things that they've told you a couple of times. But because they tell you nonstop, take the garbage out right? You tend to not forget. Now, what's really interesting is if you think about the things that you do by habit as an adult, they are often the things that your parents impressed on you at a very high rate when you were a kid. Uh, I take the garbage out here, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but I'm saying it's it the things that have made an impression on you because of consistent repetition, um, it helps you grow. And this is is a place, God's word, where actually just simply reading it, just being involved with it can seriously help us to grow because that repetition does something for you. It helps. It is these are God's words being impressed or being imprinted uh, on your heart. It's hard to dodge. You know, it's funny. Researchers have actually looked into this. They've done like long term survey studies of like really massive studies nationwide of thousands and thousands of people. And they, they asked them, you know, how spiritually minded would you rate yourself? Like, and it was five categories from extremely to not very. And then they, they kind of tracked that over a period of time and where people would change where they felt that they were. And the number one, and it wasn't even close. The number one thing that got people to move up in their self-evaluation of where they were spiritually was spending more time in the Word. It wasn't engaging with small groups. It wasn't, um, you know, uh, one-on-one time with the, the pastor or whatever. It wasn't listening to outside sermons or anything like that, podcasts or whatever. <laughs> it was spending time in the Word is the number one by a mile driver of spiritual growth in Christians. Man, Just opening the word and reading it. Yeah. 
when was secret podcast released compared to that study just kidding right okay <laughs> clearly 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 after I mean, <laughs> right i mean obviously. If, they, if they had heard when, this well <laughs> it was once the numbers of of extremely spiritually minded just started to just go go, go crazy through the roof <laughs> nice no that's a good point for sure and i want to highlight too that um, you know, verse one, it didn't say, you know, pay attention to what we've heard. It said, pay much closer attention. Like he's talking to people that are already trying to figure things out. You know, he's already talking to people that, you know, he's, he's giving them more instruction. They've already heard the gospel message. Um, and, you know, I think it's fair to say that they're, you know, religious people, right? So they're, they're Christian people. Um, yet the, the warning is, I mean, it's clearly a warning is to pay closer attention to what we've heard. Like, you know, read the word. Uh, you know, when you're paying attention to it, like a road sign and you're driving, um, if you just read the road sign and don't really, like, let it sink in, like, yeah, you saw it, but you might still miss the curve that said to slow down to 25 miles an hour. When you're paying close attention to the signs, you see it and you take a second to let it sink in. Like... What, what, what am I missing here? You know, and you really kind of lean into it. Um, that's the kind of the impression I get on the way that this is worded to pay closer attention. And, and the consequence is lest we drift away from it. And, you know, this, the, the use of words here, if we, if we use the word drift, I mean, it very clearly is like a, it's a dangerous word. Because the problem with drifting is, is that generally you don't know you're drifting. Mm-hmm. Like right, that's is it sneaks up on you, like um, in in flying when pilots uh, are at high altitudes without oxygen, um, and they get hypoxia, which is very dangerous because they might end up crashing the plane. They call it the insidious onset of hypoxia because they don't see it's coming, and then all of a sudden they're incapacitated and they crash the plane. Um, this drifting away is like this insidious onset of death, basically. Um, and so, uh, it's, it's just a stark warning that, you know, of course, I think it's natural. We're all humans. We're all making mistakes. Like that means, yeah, you step, you know, you step off course, but then, you know, hopefully, you know, you ask for forgiveness and you have that relationship with God and you come right back on course again, but we're always going to be like taking steps off the path on accident, you know, making mistakes or not on accident intentionally, but still coming back. Right. But the drifting away is the dangerous thing because before you know it, you're gone and you can't see the shore anymore. Yeah, exactly. And and it's so much more important in this case because it is the word that was brought through the sun. Right? The message declared by angels in verse 2, that kind of goes back to um, kind of really old... Um, sort of Jewish tradition that the angels were involved in delivering the law to Moses, right? That's the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, um, which is why he spent so much time uh, explaining why Jesus was higher than the angels, why he was more, had a, uh, a more excellent name, right? Because his word supersedes the law of Moses, the verse two, the message declared by angels. And now he says, we've, we, if we neglect such a great salvation in verse three, um, which, which is the result of drifting, right? If you just start to drift away, 
you just neglect it. Yeah. It doesn't mean you stop necessarily stop caring about it. It doesn't mean you necessarily stop respecting it. You've just you stop looking at the it. stars. Yeah, you just your attention is elsewhere. Your mm-hmm. focus is on other things. Your 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 time. There's only so many hours in the day, and I've got this, that, and the other thing to do. And sure, I love God and I love His Word, but you know, I just I haven't really thought about it in a little while, and 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 it hasn't really been calling to me like I think it should, or whatever. And so we just kind of neglect our great salvation, and we start to drift away. Right. And like you said, it's insidious, isn't it? That's such a great way to describe it. Um, because it just it comes in those little those little increments, those slow little dribbles, and we can barely even notice it at first until eventually, like you said, we're so far off course that that you know, it's it's hard to get back. Yeah, I think that the I mean the message is you know, is declared at first, this is verse three, you know, where it says, you know, how, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? He continues on to say, it was declared at first by the Lord and it was attested to us by those who heard. Um, and also God who bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit. Like all these things stacked up to try and prove this to us, to show it to us and to share it with us. Um, and then, yeah, we, yeah, it's just, it's mind boggling everything that God's done to give us what we need, you know, to prove that what, you know, that he, that he is who he says he is. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, all these things he's just done. He's, he's stacked the deck in our favor. And that's such an encouragement because I think a lot of times it's, you feel like it's just you, you know, against the devil out in the world or whatever. <laughs> but when you see this, I think it really is very hopeful that you think about all the history and, and all the examples of God being there for people, um, no matter what, he was always on their side. So um, I, th- I think that's very encouraging. Well, it's so awesome as you're saying this, the birds are tweeting in the background. To I was wondering who's got the chirping <laughs> birds. <laughs> I was like, the birds are proving the point. Absolutely. <laughs> that's funny. Nice. Great time. Great timing, birds. <laughs> is that your birds julian or are they mine i hear some birds out uh, no they're yours they're mine oh man yeah. my, this microphone picks up everything it does makes me and a little bit nervous it does and this one picks up nothing so i think we're fine, we're fine. <laughs> that's funny well should, should we end with the birds do you guys think <laughs> we could is there anything yeah, let's else take- you- If we do, I want to end with a question for Julian for next time. Is this about my mic? No, no, no. This is about (laughs) verse 3. Oh, (laughs) Oh, thank you, then. It's about verse 3. Yes. What does verse 3 tell us about authorship? Paul wrote it. For next time. A little (laughs) teaser. I love it. A little (laughs) teaser for next time. What does chapter 2 and verse 3 tell us about authorship? Does it have something to do with the birds? No. <laughs> Three syllables? Um, mm. No. Knock. Sounds like. <laughs> mm. I don't okay. know. Next time on Seeker. Yes, next. If we left you, haven't left you on a cliffhanger before, well, now it's time. <laughs> 
Think about these things. Look at the stars. And thanks for listening in. Thanks, everybody. See ya.